0: Hey, welcome to Blue Oaks. Uh, If you're new to our church, we're in a series studying the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, We learned last week about how some of us suffer from approval addiction. Uh, Be sure to listen to that message if you missed it. Uh, We're all tempted to think who I am is who other people think I am. Uh, We're tempted to get other people to be impressed with us in order to gain their approval. But Jesus invites us to step out of approval addiction and into God's love. And he gives us a spiritual discipline or practice uh, to help with this. It's the discipline of secrecy. A secrecy is when we do something good for someone without anyone knowing about it. I serve someone without saying something about it so other people will be impressed by me. In secrecy, I submit my life and reputation to God. I learn I can refrain from trying to impress people and actually still survive. All right, today we look at how Jesus applied secrecy uh, to the area of giving. This is what Jesus said. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Do you ever think Jesus meant to be funny when he was teaching? Uh, I think Jesus used humor a lot, Uh, but it's not completely obvious to us because a lot of his humor was related to the culture he lived in. I mean, if you think about it, movies that were made to be funny 50 years ago often are not funny today. Well, the Bible was written over 2,000 years ago. Uh, do you know any 2,000 year old documents that are still funny today? You see, what Jesus is doing here is giving us a picture of religious hypocrisy. Imagine someone going to church, and when it's time to collect the offering, they pull out a trumpet and start playing the Mexican hat dance before they put their money in. I mean, the people listening to the Sermon on the Mount would have probably laughed out loud at this because no one back then actually blew trumpets. There have been you know, times when I've done something that I thought was generous and I've maybe tried to slip that into a conversation with someone so they would think I was generous without sounding like I was trying to impress them. Well, Jesus says, Truly, I tell you, you have received your reward in full. If I do something in order to impress someone, well, my reward is impressing someone. You know, maybe I'll get a, wow, that's impressive. And I'll be a little more addicted to approval. And it'll be harder to avoid doing that again the next conversation. I'll become a slave to what other people think of me. That's why Jesus said, so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Jesus goes on, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Now this would have been another funny line to the ancient crowd. Uh, and it has a profound idea behind it. When something becomes deeply ingrained in me, like it's so habitual that I do it without even thinking about it, we refer to that as something that's like second nature. It just becomes second nature. When you are learning how to tie your shoes, I mean, you initially had to really focus and concentrate on what you were doing. And the first time you tied a shoe, I mean, you were so proud of yourself. Like, look what I did. I tied my own shoe. You wanted to announce it with a trumpet. Now you can tie your shoes without even thinking about it. You don't announce it with a trumpet. You don't even consider it. And you're free to think about more interesting things. It's actually an interesting thing. If you ask me, to describe how I tie a shoe, I mean, I'd have to really think about how to describe it. Like, I put one end over the other and then I tuck it under and pull it tight. And then I make a loop with my left hand and circle it with my right and, you know, pull it through. It's really difficult to explain it. Here's a challenge for you The next time you go to tie your shoe, uh, Do with your left hand what you normally do with your right hand. It's really difficult. I tried this this week. My left hand literally does not know what my right hand is doing when it comes to tying a shoe. Now, what Jesus is teaching is a profound observation about human behavior in the kingdom of God. Let your giving be as habitual as tying your shoes. Let it become habitual to the point that your left hand doesn't know what your right hand is doing. Initially, when you begin to give and are generous with your resources, it'll feel like you're doing something heroic. You'll wanna blow a trumpet. Initially, when you begin to serve and are generous with your time, it'll feel heroic. You know, Kathy, look, kids, look, I emptied the dishwasher without being asked, blow the trumpets. Eventually, You'll be generous without thinking about how wonderful you are. You'll be free to think about more interesting things. You'll not need the trumpet anymore. Dallas Willard said this, a sign of spiritual maturity is the thought that no longer occurs to you. Jesus put it this way, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And the idea is not you were going to get a really big reward for being generous, but now that someone found out, God has taken that reward away. The idea is, as you give, as you become a truly generous person who is not merely trying to impress people, but actually wants to partner with God and follow Jesus, you're going to enter into the reality of the kingdom of God, the reality of kingdom living. And it's really good. Your reward is the person you become, the the life that you lead, the joy you experience, the faith you build, the, the divine care that you receive and the difference that you make. Martin Luther King Jr. put it like this, keep feeling the need for being first, but I want you to be first in love. I want you to be first in moral excellence. I want you to be first in generosity. And the Bible is packed full of rewards for being first in generosity. So what I wanna do is spend the rest of this message looking at the rewards of generosity. And I want us to get so clear that we'll all be willing to say, I wanna follow Jesus in this area of giving generously. I wanna live my financial life for an audience of one. All right, let's dig in. One of the rewards of generosity is blessing. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Now we turn the word blessed into a religious cliche, but as we've seen in the Sermon on the Mount, it really is about those who are living the good life. And the idea is this. We think getting things is the path to the good life because when we get, we feel this sense of pleasure. But that little sense of pleasure always wears off. And in the long run, givers are happier, they're more joyful people than takers. In our church, there's a family that gave $1.5 million to the Be The Light initiative last year. Do you wanna see their picture? (laughs) Well, you can't because then it wouldn't be a secret and they would lose their reward. Uh, There are a lot of people in our church who give to Blue Oaks who know the joy of giving in secret. I would love for you to know the joy of giving generously in secret. There was a woman, my wife and I uh, know, who was going through the process of becoming a legal U.S. citizen, and her children were born in the U.S., but she wasn't legally a citizen, so she couldn't work legally. It was very difficult to support her family during that time. Well, we were able to help her anonymously, and I just want to share from a personal experience. Uh, I'm sure many of you could probably share way more than me on this, uh, but I've gotten way more blessing, way more meaning, way more gratitude and more joy out of money that I've given away than money that I've saved. So that's the first reward. You will experience more blessing. The second reward is this, relational wealth. We live in a society that is increasingly financially rich but relationally poor. I mean, just spend some time in the developing world and you'll realize they are financially poor, but they are relationally wealthy. This is what the Apostle Paul said to the church at Corinth about giving. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And this is what he said later in that chapter about those in the early church who were recipients of generosity. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. You see, people who are generous with their time and generous with their money, they end up entering into new relationships and connecting with and caring about more people. They experience relational wealth. You know, if you're stingy with your time and stingy with your money, you'll find other people will be stingy with their hearts. If you're generous with your time and generous with your money, people's hearts will go out to you. All right, the third reward is freedom. When I'm only focused on my life and getting what I want, I live in bondage to my desire. There's an interesting phrase that's used in the Psalms. It's in Psalm 22. The Psalmist says this, Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. And then in the next phrase, the psalmist says this Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Does the phrase, my precious, ring any bells with you? It's from the Lord of the Rings. Uh, the character is named Gollum. Uh, the word Gollum comes from a Hebrew word that's used only one time in the Bible in Psalm 139 for a, an unformed body. The word "golem" in Hebrew actually became, in the Middle Ages, a character in Jewish folklore who lived as a, a grudging, resentful, soulless slave. That's part of why Tolkien chose the name Gollum. And the ring takes a desire and turns it into an obsession until it becomes an idol and then we become its slaves. You see, the principle in the kingdom of God is this, freely you have received, so freely give. I mean, if you think about it, what in the world do I have that God has not given me? My mind, my body, my family, my home, my food, my clothes, my education, my job. Generosity liberates me from bondage to uh, possessions and pleasures and allows me to give with the same freedom that I receive. All right, we'll look at a few more rewards in just a moment.
1: As I was listening to Matt talk about the discipline of secrecy, I was reminded of a video that went viral a few weeks ago. You may have seen it too. The video was of Malik Willis, a follower of Jesus and a top-ranked college quarterback. Malik once said, I feel like I was blessed with this ability and this platform to bring people to God. That's what we're put on earth to do, to point others to God. But Malik's faith in his public platform also extends into his private life. Malik was at the National Scouting Combine to showcase his talents for NFL scouts, but his eyes and his heart were also open to those around him. In the video, You see Malik with his suitcase open on a street corner, giving clothes to a woman who was in need. The person who posted the video wrote, at Malik Willis, being great even when nobody is watching. When asked later, Malik explained why he helped the woman, saying, I felt bad because I saw her son. It was a pregnant lady and and she was homeless. And I was just like, shoot, I don't have any money, but I can give you a couple of shirts. I just felt like I had to do that. That's generosity in the discipline of secrecy. Now, Malik's act of personal generosity went public, very public, with millions of views. But I have no doubt he experienced the reward of blessing and freedom as he freely gave just as he had received from God. You see, leaning into the various spiritual disciplines or practices like generosity, prayer, Bible reading, solitude, and many more, become the soil of where God prepares your heart for these moments. Moments not where you shine, but He shines through you. If you would like to know more about spiritual disciplines, you can email me at scotthouse at blueoakschurch.org, and I would love to suggest some resources that will help you take a next step in your spiritual journey with Jesus. Let's rejoin Matt as we continue looking at the results of a generous life.
0: All right, let's look at a few more rewards and then I wanna give you a challenge. Uh, Another reward is joy. We're told joy is a reward of giving from a great story in the Old Testament. The people rejoiced over the offerings for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord and King David was filled with joy. Let me tell you how deeply God has wired you for generosity. Uh, when you're generous with your money or with your time in serving, uh, it, re- it triggers the release of uh, dopamine and serotonin and oxytocin and uh, vasopressin and endorphins and prolactin. It's something called a, a helper's high. You know, stingy people secrete cortisol, the-, the stress hormone. This is like so incredible to me. God has wired our bodies so literally we cannot give without getting it's amazing isn't it all right another reward is god's repayment generous people experience god's repayment this is an incredible verse from proverbs if you help the poor you are lending to the lord and he will repay you according to forbes magazine the current richest person in the world is elon musk He nets out at about $260 billion. Now, imagine you were at church today sitting next to Elon Musk and he said, You know, I have nothing to put in the offering box on the way out. You know, could you lend me 20 bucks? You would probably figure he's good for it, right? I want to give you an important piece of information your financial planner may not tell you. You are going to die. No matter what happens with your finances, you are going to die. So why would you not give what you cannot keep to gain what you cannot lose? I mean, can you imagine standing before God one day and having him say, let's see, I have a bunch of IOUs here, it's time to settle up. If you help the poor, you're lending to the Lord and he will repay you. All right, another reward is your children will be a blessing. This is what the psalmist says of the righteous in Psalm 37. They are always generous and lend freely. Their children will be a blessing. It's fascinating. The psalmist doesn't say their children will be blessed. He says their children will be a blessing. You see, selfish parents tend to raise selfish children. Generous parents tend to raise generous children. I remember taking our kids to Africa where we got to meet the kids we sponsor through Compassion International. It was an amazing experience. You know, seeing them help the poor and wanting to do so much more for the kids that we sponsor and just seeing their hearts expand. It was a great gift. To be able to build into the generosity of our children, and it's such a great gift. And they will be a blessing. All right, another reward is multiplied impact. There's a great story in the Bible about this. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. This is a fascinating story on so many levels. Uh, First of all, Jesus just goes and sits down and openly watches people give their offerings. I mean, this seems kind of nosy, doesn't it? You think people might be thinking, you know, hey, Jesus, you know, why don't you mind your own business? You know, what happened to the whole, like, give in secret thing? Well, Jesus seems to have this strange idea that what people give is his business. That what people do with the resources God has given them is somehow God's business. And here's the point of the story. The widow was not giving to impress anyone. The widow didn't bring the trumpet guy to announce her gift. The widow was betting everything on God. When Jesus said, this widow has put in more, I mean, he wasn't being poetic. He wasn't exaggerating. The spiritual dimension of your existence, you know, your decisions, your intentions, your character is unseen, right? But it's real. What is real? That's the first great question of life. The answer is God and his kingdom, the unseen realm. The widow's might has become the most famous gift in the history of humanity. The widow literally inspired the generosity of hundreds of millions of people all around the world. She had no idea she was going to do that. She gave more, literally. Now, no matter what your income is, Do not believe your gift doesn't matter. When you give, God sees what's going on in your heart. And God can take two fish and five loaves and feed thousands. God multiplies the impact of your giving. All right, one more reward, a new financial partner. I mean, think about it. When you start giving to advance the kingdom of God, you align yourself with God's ultimate plan and dream for the human race. Jesus put it like this in Luke 6:38: give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now this reality that God is involved in your financial life is so powerful that I wanna just pause to make sure that you understand that giving is not something you do so that you can get more money. I grew up in a little Baptist church in Chicago. When someone put $100 in the offering plate, the pastor would get so excited. He would say, whoever put this in, come to the front. You can pick out three hymns. And so this shy elderly woman goes to the front. She's just beaming from from ear to ear. And she pointed to the three best looking men in the church. And she said, I pick him, him, and him. Okay, that didn't really happen. It'd be great if that happened, though. Uh, here's the point giving is not something we do to get external rewards, like more money or a better reputation. Based on what we read in scripture, based on the lives of hundreds of thousands of people, based on what my wife and I have experienced in our lives, you cannot outgive God. This is just true. This is just true with your time. And if you're not serving, if you're not volunteering somewhere, then I want to challenge you to uh, get generous with your time. See if God doesn't multiply your time and your energy in ways that build your faith. This is true with your money as well. The starting level of giving for Israel was the tithe. God's people would give the first 10% of their income back to God. It was called the first fruits. A lot of people have a hard time trusting God with money, but here's what God said about it. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. You see, in the kingdom of God, there is a different kind of reality. Just do the math. You know, math in our world says if I have $100 and I give $10 away, I have $90 left. In other words, the more I give away, the less I have. Now in the kingdom of God, reality is this, when you're generous, God enters into the equation. And 90% with God is more than 100% without God. And this is the only area where God actually says, test me in this. Now tithing was a practice unique to Israel. It was an expression of trust. They would give back to God to cultivate generosity. And no other ancient people group did this. Israel did this. And God says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. I know no other command from God where he tells people to test him. Usually we're told, do not test the Lord your God. But it's like here he knows how much we cling to our money. He's almost saying, I dare you. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. You know, this is one area where Kathy and I have put a stake in the ground and said, no matter what, we're going to take the first 10% God provides us and we're going to give it back to him. We will tithe. We have always tithed to blue oaks. And then we give to other ministries and other people beyond that as God leads us. And I have to tell you, I'm so glad we do that. This is one area of my life, and I can't say this really about a lot of other areas, but this is one area of my life that when I stand before God one day, I'm gonna be able to say, I was faithful with the resources you provided. Are you doing that? Are you trusting God with the tithe? If not, ask him to help you build a generous heart. This business of giving is so important to God. And one of the interesting ways it's reflected is there are key words in the Bible. It's kind of interesting to look at how often words are used in the Bible. Uh, Belief or faith is really important. It's used 272 times. Uh, Pray is really important. It's used 371 times. Uh, Love is obviously huge, 741 times. Uh, Fear is not a big deal, 365 times. Uh, The word give is used in the Bible 2,162 times. The most famous uh, Bible verse is God so loved the world, he gave the best gift he had. See, giving is a heart deal. It's not intended by God as an obligation. It's not intended as a rule that you're supposed to observe with a grudging spirit. I mean, that's why Paul writes to the church at Corinth to give. And not just that, but he says, not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. The Greek word for that little word cheerful is hilarious. Uh, We get our word hilarious from that. Making an experience, an exercise in joy. And if you keep giving, eventually, you'll get there. Now on a practical level, I just wanna encourage you, if you've never taken this step toward becoming a regular tither to God, don't miss the blessing of this. You know, a lot of people find it's really helpful to give online, and I'll tell you why. Uh, Most of us intend to be generous people. Most of us intend to be givers. Do you remember where the road paved with good intentions leads? Yeah, it's not a good place. A pastor named Andy Stanley puts it like this, automation trumps determination. Uh, If I woke up every morning in a gym, I would probably work out more. If I lived in a health food store, I'd probably eat better. Now the writers of scripture talk about this first fruits principle, the idea that we're to give God right off the top, but it's really easy to forget. It's easy to get distracted by other activities. You know, Some bills come in or I get worried. And so technology can be a gift from God to translate my good intentions into consistent action. Now, you may not do your finances online. You might prefer to give something physical. Uh, By all means, use whatever method helps you most, but technology can be a great gift from God to help translate good intentions into actually doing something. And if that would work, then I would say use what works. There was a a financial uh, pitchman for a finance lending company who had a tagline I thought was memorable, Uh, you might know it. Uh, He used to say about their offer, this is the biggest no-brainer in the history of mankind. And that same guy ironically ended up filing for bankruptcy. It turns out it wasn't the biggest no-brainer in the history of mankind. Trusting God with your finances? You know, leading a generous life? Discovering it's more blessed to give than to receive? having the discipline to become a tither, uh, getting real about being a giver and not a taker, you know, walking hand in hand with God through this life with generosity. I mean, that's the biggest no-brainer in the history of mankind. And that's the reward of generosity. All right, let me pray for you. God, I pray that you would help us, that you would convict us, In this area, if we need that, that you would encourage us in this area if that's what we need. God, help us to study your word more. Help us to understand what you teach about what we should be doing with our resources and with our uh, money, what you provide to us with our time, with our talent. And God, I pray that we would honor you by giving the first fruits back to you and trusting you. Trusting that uh, math is different in your reality, in the reality of the kingdom of God. 90% with you is more than 100% without you. Help us to live like we believe that. Help us to live like we believe Jesus knew what he was talking about when he said it's more blessed to give than to receive. God, I pray that you would guide us through this. Help us to to test you in this. You tell us to test you. Help us to test you and to see that you will be faithful, that you will bless us in ways that are beyond our understanding when we are honoring you with our finances and with our time. God, would you go before us and just lead the way in this? Help us to learn more. Help us to grow more. Help us to take steps that we need to take to live more in the reality of your kingdom in this area of giving. And I ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. We hope you found something in this week's message to take away and apply to your life this week. Uh, If you live in the Bay Area, we would love to have you join us for one of our weekend services. Uh, For directions or information about what we have for you or your family, your students, you can go to blueoaks.church or download the app today and we hope to see you on Sunday soon.